Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Community Foundation President and CEO Brian Treese reflects on taking the reins during a global pandemic and discusses his upcoming listening tour to better understand the needs of the community. Also this morning, the IRS has delayed the start of tax season, but the deadline is only 11 weeks away. We have more of the ways the pandemic may or may not impact your tax return this year. Today's Throwback Thursday, scammers in Northwest Ohio reportedly passing off prop money used in the movies as the real thing. Would you be able to spot counterfeit cash? And virtual event, real laughs. We preview this weekend's 20th annual University of Findlay Comedy Jam. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, January 28th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for mostly sunny skies today and a high of 26. Partly cloudy tonight, low of 17. Ohio's COVID-19 curfew is being shortened by one hour. Governor DeWine previously stated that the 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew would be pushed back to 11 p.m. If Ohio sees hospitalizations dip below 3,500 for seven days in a row, and that was achieved yesterday. So tonight, the state's COVID curfew will change to 11 p.m. to 5 a.m., The governor says the curfew will gradually be phased out as the pandemic subsides. Get more on the curfew change on our website. Some fake money is circulating in the northwestern corner of the state. The Williams County Sheriff's Office is warning the community and local businesses to be aware of fake $10 bills being used by scammers in the area. With a casual glance, the bills may seem real, but they are prop money used in movies and say on them for motion picture purposes. The sheriff's office says any fake bills should be reported to local law enforcement. Dave James, I went in news. And we have pictures of the prop money on our website, so you'll know what to look out for. There are some new faces on the Finley Fire Department. Chief Eberly says the four new hires will be filling two existing vacancies and two anticipated retirements in the first half of this year. Young guys are stepping up and filling some leadership roles that were kind of, you know, vacated by senior guys who retired and are our existing senior guys are also stepping up and supporting these younger guys and I'm just really happy where our department is right now and, and the direction we're headed. You can learn more about the backgrounds of the four new firefighters on our website. University of Finley President Dr. Catherine Fell has accepted a contract extension offer from the university's board of trustees. Chairman Chris Ostrander says Dr. Fell has built a vibrant culture at UF and has been a tremendous leader, not only for the university, but also within the community. The extension will run through June of 2024, and the extension also includes a three-year option beyond that. Get more details on our website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Today is Clashing Clothes Day. Somebody tell Bernie Sanders it is Clashing Clothes Day today. Don't be afraid to wear something that clashes. And I, I'm thinking it's 20 degrees, feels like it's 10. I don't care if it clashes or not. I just want it to be warm. Again, taking a page from Bernie Sanders. I don't care what my mittens look like. Just want to be warm. Uh, it is Daisy Day, celebrating the flower. Not that any of them are blooming right now. Why we have Daisy Day in late January, I don't know. But it is. Data Privacy Day today. International Lego Day. National Blueberry Pancake Day. National Kazoo Day. 
and thank a plugin developer day. Those web plugins or the plugins use uh, on your computers that make life more productive and things like that. So thank a plugin developer day today. Reasons to celebrate on this uh, Thursday morning. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, over the past year, People are watching more TV than ever before. According to new data from Nielsen, 29% of remote workers uh, have the TV on during billable hours daily. In other words, that time when we're supposed to be working, we have the TV on, if nothing else, in the background. The average American watches 5 hours and 56 minutes of cumulative video each day. Now that may be, it says cumulative video, so that may be TV shows, that may be uh, you know, traditional uh, television streaming. I would assume that, is, that includes like YouTube videos. It just says cumulative videos. Five hours and 56 minutes. But outside of working hours, can watching TV actually help you relax? Uh, science says yes and no. Uh, studies find that uh, re-watching old familiar TV favorites can make our, make our brains feel safe and allow them to recharge. However, watching depends on what you watch. Watching horror movies and the news can have the opposite effect. Although they do point out that this varies from person to person. So, basically they say if watching TV is your coping mechanism, and if it is your only coping mechanism, if you have nothing else except TV, then that is probably problematic. As for having the TV on while you work, researchers say we're likely ignoring it, and uh, that it has a low-key distraction in the background can actually help you complete creative tasks. Though they add that any ambient sound that mimics the murmur of people talking and moving in the background could have the same effect. So, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, we're, we're at home. We've got the TV on to sort of replicate, subconsciously perhaps, replicate the idea of chatter and noise around the workplace since we're not in our workplaces. At least not as much. Kind of interesting stuff. By the, by the way, speaking of uh, watching TV, the big event coming up that could lead people to gather together and potentially increase the spread of the coronavirus? Super Bowl Sunday. A new Seton Hall sports poll of just over 1,500 people from across the country found that while 64% have said that they will not attend a gathering with people from outside their home to watch the big game next weekend between Kansas City and Tampa Bay, 25% say yes, they will. They are going to have a Super Bowl party. Another 11% say they're not sure at this point. Among those who said that they were avid fans, an even higher 40% say that they would gather with people from outside their household. So the bigger fan you are, uh, the more likely you are to gather with friends for Super Bowl Sunday. Poll also asked if respondents expected the game would be less exciting because of pandemic-related restrictions, including Reduced fan attendance, about half said it probably would be, compared to 28% who said, no, it's not going to make any difference. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. At Thanksgiving, you had Christmas, then you have Super Bowl Sunday, maybe the next big super spreader event.
So uh, this is the story uh, off the uh, Newswire this morning. It's probably going to cause a great deal of buzz online. As soon as social media gets a hold of this, people are going to be commenting right and left on this. So I'll just let you know now that this is a story you are likely to see as you're perusing your social media feed. Um, Some people will be outraged. Some people will cheer this. The San Francisco Board of Education has decided in a six-to-one vote to remove the names of former presidents George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Thomas Jefferson, and other prominent figures from public schools in the city. Schools named after Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, and other prominent figures uh, will be, those names be removed. Uh, Some of the others whose names will be removed from a total of 44 schools in San Francisco in the controversial decision include Paul Revere, Francis Scott Key, composer of the Star Spangled Banner, naturalist John Muir, 18th century Spanish priest, uh, Junipero Serra, and current Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, who is a former mayor of San Francisco. All of those names are going to be stripped off of a committee was created a couple of years ago to lead a renaming process charged with identifying schools named for people who either owned slaves or had connections to slavery. Um... <clears throat> who, uh, uh, let's see here, let me uh, go back here. Uh, identifying schools named for people who owned slaves or had connections to slavery, colonization, or exploitation. Anyone who oppressed women, children, transgender people, anyone who connect, uh, connected to human rights or environmental abuses, or anyone who espoused racist or white supremacist beliefs. I'm wondering, which of those does the Spanish priest and uh, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein fall under. Anyway, Washington Jefferson owned slaves. Criticisms of Lincoln were related to Native Americans, including construction of the Transcontinental Railroad, which affected their lands. Feinstein was included... (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Feinstein was included because when she was mayor in 1984, she replaced a vandalized Confederate flag that was part of a flag display in front of City Hall. (gasps) Horror of horrors. The uh, executive director of Families for San Francisco, which has been critical of the renaming effort, called the process top-down, in which a small group of people made the decisions without consulting experts in the wider school community. He also said we would like to have had historical experts provide a historical context as we are evaluating people from the past with today's sensibilities. So, but there you go. 44 schools going to get renamed in the San Francisco area for uh, these types of uh, violations. Again, I'm just telling you the, I'm just giving you the story because people are going to be buzzing about it. And now you know the, uh, now you know the deal. And how about this? And chew on this. Uh, Among the first things you need to know, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. If you could erase all of the memories of the year 2020, would you? A new survey from one poll, 2,000 Americans over the age of 21, finds that people said that they would be willing to spend an average of $1,835 to uh, forget about 2020 completely. (laughs) 
if you can pay someone to erase your memory, wipe it out completely, people would be willing to pay nearly $2,000 to have that done. They also asked people about the most stressful events of 2020, half predictively named the COVID-19 pandemic. 37% said the U.S. response to the pandemic. 30% said the death of Kobe Bryant was the most stressful. Hmm. 30% of people said that if they could have one thing instantly in 2021, it would be to no longer have to deal with the most stressful aspects of their lives. And another 30% said that they are attempting to cut back on their alcohol consumption this year. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. We would be willing to pay uh, almost $2,000 to have 2020 stripped from our memory. When we erase 2020, how much, how, much can I, how much can I pay you? How much can I... How much would that cost? There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started here. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smart Smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Well, a few days ago, the Findlay Hancock County Community Foundation announced that its new president CEO, Brian Treese, would be embarking on a listening tour over the next several weeks and months to better understand the needs of the community. Dr. Treese joins us on the line this morning and brian thanks for uh, taking the time first of all this is actually the uh, first time i believe we've uh, had you on the program since taking over the reins of the uh, community foundation uh which has to be uh, a, a bit of a challenge uh, especially for an organization such as the community foundation to take over in the middle of a global pandemic talk about that uh, transition to leading this organization well, thank you, and good morning, everybody. This is the first time. So I think there's been a lot of transition in our community, and there's been significant transition during the pandemic. And, of course, the pandemic makes things a little interesting in all aspects of our life, and transitions are part of them. Uh, a benefit that I have is I had worked at the foundation in a different role yeah. for several years. So I, I had the chance to know uh, our stakeholders, know the community, uh, those that we partner with. So that made it a little easier. But of course, it's always best when you can meet face to face and you can go out and meet people and talk to people in person. Right. But this too shall pass. We will we will get there. We will we will keep working together and eventually we'll be able to do those face to face meetings and, and get to know each other um, even better. We mentioned the listening tour, which uh will my understanding is you'll start this uh, in the next month and we'll continue uh, into what probably late spring um, was that something that you had planned to do uh, regardless or how much of that uh, is again specifically comes back to the pandemic and as you said kind of changes the paradigm uh, a bit within our community just as it has everywhere so when I was first elected, one of my priorities was to do the listening tour because I fully believe that as a community, we are always at our best. And, and I've lived in Finley and Hancock County my whole life. We are at our best when we work together. 
to solve our community's most challenging issues and problems. And one way to make sure that we're able to work together is to help us be on a similar page. And so having the opportunity to talk to each other and listen to each other to see what is it that as a community we identify as our opportunities in the future, the, the problems that we need to face, the way the community foundation can play a role in helping to address those community problems, that's really important. And that was a, a priority of mine coming into this role. Of course, the pandemic changed things. Uh, we would much rather be face-to-face, but we will be doing these all through Zoom, or if, if folks do not have access to a computer, we can do them over the phone. It changes how we do them, but it doesn't change the priority on making sure that we listen to each other and talk to those in our community that we serve. You talk about, uh, and, and you can touch on this uh, just a moment, I wanted to expand on this a bit. You talked about uh, the community being stronger when we work uh, together and everybody on the same page. What does that mean uh, to you? What do you hope to learn out of uh, these uh, listening sessions? What I hope to learn is I want to hear from folks that are connected to the foundation already and folks that might not be connected to the foundation what matters. Uh, how can we live our mission better? Our, our mission, when you boil it all down, is to improve the quality of life in Hancock County for all who live here. What does that mean to folks? What does that mean uh, to folks in Finley and those in Hancock County, to those who uh, may have a connection to the foundation already and those who don't? I want to learn how we can do our mission in the best way possible. And what is on folks' minds about what are those big community issues or priorities that we need to be focused on in the next couple of years. We're going to take all of this data combined with those other data points that we have. This isn't the first time the foundation's done a listening tour. Hearing from our community is important. So we've done community conversations. We've helped fund the community health assessment, uh, heart and soul, other, other pieces of data that talk to us about what matters to our community. When we put all of those together, we have a chance to see, okay, what do we want to focus on? And it will definitely influence our planning that we'll be uh, working on in May. That uh, actually was going to be my next question. What do you do or what is the plan uh, once you have held these listening sessions, gathered all of this data, uh, then what? So we will be doing a couple of different things. First, we will be using it for strategic planning to help us identify what we want to do in the next several years. Building off of that, we are going to report back to the community. Here's what we heard. Here's what we heard from you. Did we, did we get it right or is there anything missing? And then share that data with our, with our partners, whether they be government officials, nonprofits, the schools, because the more that we can share the data about what matters most, the better. And so we will happily share that out with everybody that we can. Now, as we mentioned, these uh, listening sessions, the listening tour begins uh, in February, scheduled to begin next month and continue uh, through May. So how do folks uh, become a part of, uh, of this, become a part of one of these uh, listening sessions? Sure. We will be reaching out to groups um, individually, but then also it's important we have three community-wide sessions, and they are posted on our website at community-foundation.com. You can register for one of the three sessions. We have one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one in the evening, so that hopefully regardless of your schedule, you have the opportunity to come and have your voice be heard. Uh, Also, you can reach out to us at 
the Community Foundation through our website or our phone number at 419-425-1100, and we're happy to connect you to one of the conversations. As you were mentioning, uh, the ideal would be to be able to sit down uh, with people face-to-face and, and have these conversations, uh, although I, I would imagine that there are some uh, some benefits uh, from, from having them virtually and, and uh, you know, meeting people virtually uh, in their space where they're comfortable uh, and so on. Does it present a, a challenge? I mean, how are you looking at this with respect to doing it virtually versus those uh, on uh, in-person sessions that you would ordinarily have? Sure. Well, there are benefits. I mean, if somebody if somebody has transportation needs, sure, meeting virtually, you don't need to consider those. Um, people might not have to worry about childcare when they come to a, an in-person conversation, or or many of the other logistical concerns that somebody might have, those are mediated when, when you're in somebody's, somebody's mm-hmm. home having the conversation virtually. Yeah. It will, luckily, it won't change the data collection. It won't change uh, the results. And, and I think after the pandemic, we will have learned, one of the lessons that we'll have learned is that we can do things virtually and still get similar results. And, and while nothing replaces that in-person, that connection when you can look across the table mm-hmm. and, and, and see somebody's body language and what they're saying, right. this is an option that might really work for folks in the future. Again, uh, the uh, new president and CEO of the Community Foundation, uh, Finley Hancock County Community Foundation, Dr. Brian Treese, uh, talking about the upcoming listening tour to better understand the needs of the community, which will launch next month, continue uh, through the spring. And you mentioned that you have more details uh, on those sessions uh, at your webpage, uh, correct? Right, www.community-foundation.com. We look forward to uh, hearing more about the results uh, of those sessions and uh, where the community uh, moves forward from here. Dr. Therese, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, as we mentioned the other day, there is a good chance your tax return may be impacted by the pandemic, like everything else, it seems. Here to talk more about that is TurboTax CPA Lisa Green-Lewis. And Lisa, right off the bat, the IRS is not opening their e-file system until February 12th, which is a little later than usual. What's the reason for that? Um, So there were some provisions passed the end of December, um, and so the IRS wanted to allow more time to get those provisions in place. Does this delay in accepting returns give you the hint that refunds might also be delayed this year? The IRS states that they will issue 9 out of 10 tax refunds within 21 days or less of acceptance of your return if you e-file with direct deposit. So that is similar to uh, years past, and obviously, even though the the date of February 12th is still uh, a ways off, uh, for example, a TurboTax, you can start working on your uh, taxes, even finish them up even before that date. Yes. Um, so TurboTax is open and accepting tax returns, and then also from the comfort of your home, you could either do your taxes yourself. You could get guidance along the way or fully um, hand your taxes over to a CPA or tax expert. But the bottom line is you're probably not going to see uh, a refund until probably late February at the earliest. 
Now, again, uh, that doesn't mean that the filing deadline will be extended like it was last year. There are eight weeks between February 12th and April 15th. So even though that April 15th deadline seems like a long way off, it's really not. And with so many Americans put out of work, either short term or long term, a lot more people are going to be dealing with the question of how to handle unemployment income this year. What do they need to know? Yes. So what they need to know is unemployment income, it is taxable, but you may be eligible for some income-based tax deductions and credits that you weren't eligible for before since you have lower income. This is also complicated by the fact that there were multiple unemployment relief programs through the states and through the federal government. Is it all pretty much handled the same regardless of where it came from? Yes, it's all handled the same. Um, Unemployment income is taxable. It's voluntary to have taxes withheld. So it's all handled the same. That is, again, one of the things that uh, complicates this, and uh, we were talking about it the other day, the the fact that withholding is optional. A lot of folks may find that they did not have those taxes with uh, withheld like they would have with regular income, and it may put them uh, in a bit of a complicated spot. Uh, I know you're also getting a lot of questions about those direct stimulus payments, which are not taxable, but they're are some instances where they are germane to a person's tax return. Right, yes. So, as you said, stimulus payments are not taxable, but if you didn't receive the full stimulus payment, um, you may be able to claim more in the form of a recovery rebate credit on your taxes. And as you mentioned, also, we're seeing questions, if you had a baby in 2020, the IRS didn't know that. So you may not have received additional stimulus for your dependent, but when you file your taxes, you may be able to get that um, in the form of a recovery rebate credit. Are there any other provisions of the relief packages passed by Congress that will affect our 2020 taxes one way or the other? Yes. So under the second um, relief package that passed in December, um, there is a provision that a allows people that are able to claim the earned income tax credit, they can use their 2019 income if it helps them get a bigger earned income tax credit Mm. instead of using their 2020. Um, That's one provision under the CARES Act for those 90% of taxpayers that claim the standard deduction. Now they're able to deduct um, some of their charitable contributions if it's um, a cash contribution up to $300. And then there was uh, the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act, Relief Act in March, which had a provision for self-employed. If you were sick or took care of a family member, you can claim some tax credits if you were off from your self-employment work. Speaking of employment, one other note, because so many people were working from home, either part-time or full-time this past year, uh, if you are, assuming you're not self-employed, if you were working for an employer, uh, but you were working from home, that does not mean you are eligible for a home office deduction, right? In, in most cases, you will not be, right? Correct. Um, I know there's so many people working from home, and that is a big question we see, uh, But under tax reform, um, prior to tax reform, people were able to deduct um, unreimbursed employee expenses for work expenses. But after tax reform, 
that's no longer, you have to be self-employed in order to deduct home expenses. So that's important too, because that was going to be my next question. Uh, aside from home office uh, deductions, if we had to purchase items to do our jobs remotely, even if we were not compensated for those expenses by our employer, they are not deductible? No, they, they won't be deductible. Mm. Only for self-employed. Okay, so if you are employed by a company, uh, regardless of what you had to lay out for uh, the ability to, to work from home, uh, that is not going to uh, be able to be written off in the taxes. Some very important notes uh, about how taxes will look a little bit different this year. Again, TurboTax CPA Lisa Green-Lewis with us this morning. As I mentioned, you have a lot of uh, resources. Obviously, people can get started on their return right now, uh, get more of their questions answered at your website, correct? Correct. They can go to TurboTax.com. Lisa, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Get to our Throwback Thursday feature this morning. You heard in the news there were reports out of Williams County that scammers have recently been passing off counterfeit bills at some businesses in the region. In this case... The bills should be fairly easy to spot. They are actually movie props that say right on them for motion picture purposes. And even though they weren't printed up with the idea of being passed off as real, they look real on screen and real enough that you could be fooled if you just give them a quick glance. Well, back in February of 2019, after authorities reported a rash of counterfeit bills being passed locally, we spoke with Findlay Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White about how to spot funny money, and he even brought in some samples to see if I could tell the difference. It is today's Throwback Thursday. Would you be able to spot the fake stuff? It's not as easy as it might seem because technology is making making it easier to produce these phonies. Sure, the, the better quality printers that are coming out makes it really tough to kind of spot this stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, really what it comes down to is paying attention. That's the number one reason why most people accept a counterfeit bill because mm -hmm. uh, these are fast-placed businesses where you're constantly trying to get the next right. customer in so you're right. not really scrutinizing a bill. And um, just being trained on what to look for. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you uh, you brought some... Yeah, we brought this in to, to test you a little bit. And just to look at it, I can't at first glance tell. I've been told that they feel uh, different. That's correct. One of the first indicators is the feel of the bill. Yeah. Because when we talk about printer paper, we're talking about a smooth kind this, of... Uh, this one feels a little bit different, but it also could be just because it's worn. It could be. Yeah. It could be. So now when we're talking about actual genuine currency, it's more of a cotton fabric material. Right. So I want to get to more on how to spot these fakes, but uh, circling back to the reason all of this is coming up, how many cases of uh, counterfeit currency do you normally see? Well, it, it really is very sporadic. It kind of pops up every now and then. What we find is a lot of times it's just people kind of passing through the Finley area. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they're targeting these businesses along I-75 because it allows them an easy getaway, just hopping on the interstate and moving down to the next place right. and passing their bills again. Does this come primarily from professional paper hangers, as they are called, or is this just somebody who gets the idea and says... Most of the time yeah. it's just an average Joe in their mm -hmm. house using their standard... Printer. And that's why a lot of these uh, these counterfeit bills are really more of a poor quality. And yeah. just taking that extra three to four seconds to scrutinize a bill 
most of the time you'll end I, up catching it. Historically, businesses have been the, uh, most often the victims of counterfeiters. But in this day and age, especially you know things like eBay and Craigslist and people who are you know with their side hustles making money on the side outside mm-hmm. of their regular jobs, uh, you would imagine average people are becoming much more likely to encounter this stuff. Absolutely, it all boils down to people paying attention that, correct because absolutely that is the number one reason why most of these bills go through and even to feel them again if i'm Still in a hurry enough. yeah they're they're similar enough that i probably it wouldn't initially set off any alarm bells so sure. that right there again we talk about how to spot the fakes mm-hmm. that would make me concerned right? absolutely so i know that there's the security band and these are all 20s by the way is that most mostly the most common denominator that is the most commonly passed uh counterfeit bill that yeah. we see and mostly that is because a 20 is not a large enough denomination where it adds increased scrutiny yeah uh, it's a pretty common bill and it's also not such a small bill say as a, as a five mm-hmm. where you're not really getting enough bang for your buck well, a lot of effort goes into this man i tell you i don't know which one is it the first thing you can do is kind of look at the color okay one of these bills is a little bit brighter okay one of the biggest uh, things that you're going to see is just the edges of the bill Every genuine bill mm-hmm. is going to be a nice, clean cut. It's going to be a nice standard color because it's all coming from one sheet of paper. Right. right? So you're yeah. not going to see color variations when you look at these two bills over here. But now I can see there on the on the edge uh, on that one. So right. I'm going to – are these both uh, the, fake? These are, these are both fake bills both that, that were passed in Finley. And this is the 20, and this I'll just keep genuine. that. I'll just keep the real Well, that's oh, one I'm of the things kidding. I should have mentioned at the beginning. I do expect to get all these bills back. <laughs> Uh, um, a few other features to kind of keep an eye out for. You did mention the security strip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be uh, embedded inside the bill, and all you have right. to do is hold it up to light, and it's going to tell you the denomination. Mm-hmm. Another thing to look for is a watermark. It's on the right-hand side of the bill. Yeah, Counterfeit bills will not have that. That's basically when you hold it up to the light, there right. will be a picture of the president on the face of the bill. Oh, okay, yeah. This one would be the, the genuine. This is, yeah, you can see that. Yep. Other yeah. things to look for, which huh. are... Uh, a little more uh, detailed, but when you look at genuine bills, there's going to be red and blue security fibers embedded into the paper, mm, mm-hmm. and they are so small that it's almost impossible to replicate on a counterfeit. What do folks do if they encounter uh, something they believe uh, is a fake? Try and hold on to the bill. Now, we're not talking about uh, restraining someone or someone grabs the money back, physically restraining them. Yeah. Just say that they need to check on the bill and give us a call, and we'll come out and address it. And what I would encourage anyone that's a business owner to do is train your employees on these bills. Yeah. That's something that we offer as well. I will come out to the business and a uh, 25-minute, half-hour talk just on what to look for. In the Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White from February of 2019 talking about how to spot counterfeit bills uh, if they are passed uh, to you, your business, what to, what have you? He kind of uh, he kind of pulled a fast one on me because I was looking when he when we were expect inspecting those. He asked me, you know, can you tell the counterfeit bill? There were actually multiple counterfeits and one real bill. So he kind of threw me for a loop. I was thinking there was only one fake among a bunch of real ones, and it turned out to be the other way around, which actually made it harder to figure out the difference between the two. Uh, again, it's not something that if you're if you're not paying attention, it'd be very easy to be fooled. Uh, the U.S. Treasury, by the way, has a great website detailing all of the ways that you can tell uh, counterfeit money from the real thing. You can check that out online. Today's throwback. 
Thursday. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's report on the odd and unusual side of the news, a service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. You remember yesterday we had the story about the guy led police on a, on a chase, uh, what is it, like two dozen stop signs and a red light he was charged with eluding and all these traffic violations, not to be outdone. Have another such story. Bedford County, Pennsylvania police say 32-year-old Judson Minier Minier was wanted on a felony assault warrant, and state police learned he would be arriving at a home in West Providence Township in his tan Dodge Durango this past Sunday evening. So they were there waiting. When he pulled up and state police spotted him, he drove through the front yard and led troopers on a chase uh, throughout the uh, neighborhood. At one point, to avoid a red light, he drove through a uh, convenience store parking lot very fast, ran over a street sign as he drove back onto the road. Police say he also crashed the vehicle into an embankment so he could flee on foot. They caught up with him. He now faces his initial, his initial felony assault and misdemeanor uh, charges, as well as 189 traffic violations stemming from the chase. <laughs> what? 189. <clears throat> This is a guy that just woke up uh, on Sunday morning and said, how much trouble can I get into today? How much can I... Uh, <clears throat> I want to know who was the officer charged with keeping track of all of this as the chase is going on. <laughs> keeping track. Oh, there's another one. I write that down. Oh, there's another one. I write that down. There's another one. Uh, let's see. From the international file of the broken news this morning, this is why you should avoid digesting sharp objects as a general rule of thumb it's a good idea don't eat sharp objects doctors in japan say a man who accidentally ingested a toothpick had to deal with months of pain in his back and leg all because the toothpick got stuck on the way back out the case detailed in this week's uh uh, in a uh, medical journal uh this week 67-year-old man came back with uh, came in with back issues that doctors decided could be solved with surgery, but when they did a CT scan before the operation, they found a 7-centimeter-long toothpick lodged in uh, his uh, colon. Uh, six days later, the man's leg pain got worse. Doctors eventually removed the toothpick. After, after that, the man's pain went away and never returned. Doctors theorized the toothpick must have ended up next to a branch of nerves in the spinal cord, causing enough pressure to account for the localized symptoms in his lower back and leg. Again, just a word of, of caution. Don't eat sharp objects. Lesson learned. Weird story. Um, back to this side of the uh, pond. Domestic broken news this morning. Anthony Doe. Leland, North Carolina, had a doozy start to his day. Two deer uh, honed into his brand new vehicle as he was driving to work and came at it like magnets, he said. Uh, uh, Hitting the two deer with his vehicle definitely, uh, well, would have ruined his day. Uh, He went home angry and went straight to bed. He woke up just in time for the big Mega Millions drawing. He checked his tickets 
And the fourth ticket, uh, he saw a four, and then the next number, and the next number, and the next number. He matched all of the white balls in the Mega Millions jackpot, uh, which made him an instant millionaire, but he had also opted for the Mega Plier and doubled his earnings, meaning he scored $2 million. After taxes, he walked away $1.4 million richer. After the state took its cut, of course. He said, it just feels great. I'm just going to fix things on my mom and dad's house. I'll get my car fixed, pay it off, and pay my niece's car off. Whatever he has left over, he said, will go into savings. So it started out as a very bad day. Turned out to be not so bad after all. We should all be so lucky. Uh, we have a follow-up to that story of the uh, cow that escaped eight months ago in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Escaped uh, as uh, the, the heifer named Princess uh, fled while she was being loaded onto a truck on its way to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> Barely she knew what was coming. She said, no, not today. And she took off. Princess was on the run for eight months until she was recently caught by animal control officers there in Dartmouth. We reported on this. She'd been uh, on the on the lamb for eight months. They finally found her. An animal control officer said in that time span, the cow's owner gave up his rights to the animal. So Princess, this is the follow-up, Princess will now be sent to the Skylands Sanctuary and Animal Rescue in New Jersey. The uh, rescue currently raising funds for the cow's transportation and medical expenses. Somebody needs to cow- tell the cow when she's being loaded on the truck. This time, she's going to a much better place. So, don't want her to get spooked again. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, Valentine's Day right around the corner now. And this year, flowers and chocolate aren't the only menu options. Craft is making itself a contender with the introduction of their limited edition Candy Craft Macaroni and Cheese. A new twist on the classic dish contains the same cheesy flavor that many have come to know and love, but includes an additional flavor packet to turn the noodles pink and add a hint of candy flavoring. That's right, candy-flavored pink mac and cheese. The company admits it sounds a little strange, but... Love makes people do strange things. (laughs) Uh, It's not going to be on store shelves. Kraft says uh, it is only available to a thousand lucky lovebirds. If you want to win a box, visit CandyCraftMacAndCheese.com and enter by February 8th. Why you would want to, I have no idea, but there you go. That is today's broken news, the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And now today's daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And would you believe that Ohio is the number four growth state in America in 2020? This according to the moving company U-Haul, 
they each year analyze data on migration patterns of Americans, where they're moving to, where they're moving from. Uh, Tennessee is the leading growth state uh, this year, or this past year, followed by Texas, Florida, and then Ohio, the Buckeye State, at number four. Uh, growth states are calculated by the net gain of one-way U-Haul truck rentals entering a state versus the number leaving that state during a calendar year. And uh, the rest of the top 10, uh, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, Nevada, North Carolina, and Georgia, the top 10 growth states, um, which is kind of interesting because outside of Ohio, uh, all of the rest of the areas are either in the uh, southeast or the southwest. Uh, but Ohio is the notable exception to that trend. On the other end of the spectrum, California is dead last, uh, the state with the steepest out-migration, the largest net loss of U-Haul truck rental, rentals uh, crossing its border. Uh, New York is down there at the bottom at 42nd, and Illinois is 49th. Uh, not coincidentally, probably, those are all higher tax states, to be pointed out. It says here, people coming to Ohio in one-way U-Haul trucks increased 8% during the past year. Now, departures were up too, but uh, departures were 7% higher than 2019, so we had a net gain. Uh, arrivals accounted for nearly 50.4% of all one-way U-Haul traffic in Ohio uh, during 2020. Ohio's leading growth cities, in case you're wondering, okay, they're moving to Ohio, but where in Ohio are they going? Uh, top of the list, well, actually, these are in no particular order, but the uh, leading growth cities include Worthington, the Columbus suburb, uh, Athens, Cleveland, Springfield, Youngstown, and Huber Heights, which is a suburb of Dayton. Uh, other notable net gain cities, those are the top growth cities. Other notable net gain cities, Cleveland Heights, Elyria, Canton, and Miamisburg. Uh, while they are quickly po- uh, quick to point out that while U-Haul migration trends do not correlate directly to population or economic growth, the company's growth data is an effective gauge of how well cities are attracting and maintain resident maintaining residents. So, and it's been uh, documented over the over the years that those numbers do correlate. So, kind of interesting as a bit of a sidebar. Ohio, whether you realize this or not, Ohio has been among the top 15 growth states in each of the past 3 years and this year's number 4 ranking is the Buckeye state's highest mark since it was third for growth in 2015 so we actually have a uh, a pretty good track record on this and number four overall growth state in america according to the uh, latest data from u-haul i used to have a real job i used to teach high school english i started teaching right out of college i was 21 years old and that is a mistake kids think you're an adult so i had kids coming to me when i was 21 asking for adult advice like mr black my parents are divorcing what should i do i'd be like hey kid i don't know how to iron pants i don't think i'm the person to talk to here i'm trying to learn sign language because my wife's mom is deaf so i'm trying to learn so i can talk with her but also so i can see what my wife is saying about me 
because I watch and she goes really fast and my name sign is this which I'm told is a compliment something I need to clear up because I've been getting a lot of this after the show people will come up to me and they'll say the usual stuff you know hey best show I've ever seen uh, just normal everyday stuff but then people will say Jay, you know, in your intro, they mentioned you write and star in Hallmark movies. Now, having sat through your act does not necessarily seem commiserate with the fare that I'm used to seeing on the Hallmark Network. I had a movie called Love Always Santa that was on last year. Uh, I wrote it and I acted in it. I was the, if you want to know who I am, there's a really good looking guy. I stand next to him. Uh, I know it's a lot of times women who are watching the Hallmark movies. And I know inevitably, inevitably, they will call their men over and go, just watch with me, just watch for a little bit. And the men will get angry. And after about 30 minutes, they'll turn to their wife and say, who the f writes this sh <laughs> Now you know, you guys are a lot of fun. Uh, Jay Black, he will uh, be uh, the uh, headliner for the 20th anniversary or the 20th uh, annual University of Findlay Comedy Jam. Uh, Sharonda Welton from the University of Findlay is uh, with us uh, in the uh, studio this morning. And I have to say that uh, that uh, Hallmark Channel thing, that's me and my wife, uh, <laughs> especially around the uh, holidays. Yeah. yeah. Come on Where they're on 24-7. Who, who, who writes this? Well, now you know. He also writes for Lifetime and has yeah. three movies coming out for them. <laughs> so he, this, he's able to get into so the sensitive side of things. Yeah, the stand-up is his release, <laughs> yes, I think. The, that's the, uh, it that's is, the thing. It is, it is. He is one of uh, three comedians, as he always, is? that yeah. are, are part of uh, Comedy Jam. So yeah, and we are here. so excited because with COVID, you know, we didn't know if we were even going to get to do Comedy Jam. Right. Yeah. We, we booked these comedians back last February at a conference. We get off the plane in March, coming back from it, and the All whole country sudden, shuts yeah, down. And I'm like, changes. oh, no. Yeah. And we thought for sure we'd be back to quote normal now mm -hmm. uh so th all three of the comedians are still willing to fly in and then drive in to get to us awesome. um but they are going to do their show live in our uni uh, university of finley television station okay and it is going to be out on the uf youtube channel uh at eight o'clock so anything that happens you're watching it live it's <laughs> happening then it is still going to be a pg-13 show right and it's still going to be live it's still going to be live yeah. uh it's kind of like when you're watching the pageants and some of the other things and you're watching to see what happens so you can talk <laughs> about it it's going to be that kind of comedy show yeah. this year that's going to be a little bit different for the comedians Very because obviously different. uh will there be any audience whatsoever or the the camera people <laughs> <laughs> okay. The engineering room. Yeah. And then uh, a few of the students that There's are on the student few. activities board that, yeah. you know, because they've they've booked them, they've advertised them, they're, they're hosting them essentially. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a few of them will be there. But, uh, no, it's it's going to be live and uh, you're going to be watching it from your living rooms or wherever. Get, get a couple of your family members together. Well, hopefully they won't have to worry about any hecklers then because. Well, <laughs> let's hope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as we said, this is the 20th anniversary, it is. and uh, this is one of many things that the Student Activities Board uh, does yes, throughout the year. They are powerhouses. Probably the biggest thing. It is. Know. It is their their shining light. Yes, mm -hmm. um, but they've been very creative with virtual programming. They have live programs coming in this semester, but mm -hmm. uh, they just finished up 
receiving submissions for photos for a winter photo contest. Anyone can go out and vote on those photos. And then uh, that was open to faculty, staff, and students. And then they will receive awards from them. Um, uh, Our Music Box concert series will continue live. So we're really excited about that. We have one coming up in February. And Mm -hmm. uh, by herself, he's a cellist. And he loops. And he's just amazing. He's one you want to see live. So, yeah, they've got some cool things coming. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Because obviously... Uh, everything that we've been through the pandemic has mm-hmm. thrown uh, things for a loop mm-hmm. so that uh, must have been a, a bit of a challenge for the student activities board but i guess when you say it's an educational experience well and that's what i was just go. getting ready to say uh, yeah. when things like this happen mm-hmm. they already are a group that understands flexibility anything can happen and so they've learned to prepare in advance so that when those things come flying at them we got this because they already have down what they're doing. And mm-hmm. they have just been amazing about rethinking and thinking outside of the box and being flexible, being in tune to what the students' needs are, because not all of our students are back on campus. Mm-hmm. And so the questions they're asking are, how can we keep not only faculty and staff and students connected, but also our our alumni who are used to coming to campus for different functions and events Mm -hmm. and uh they've they've come up with some great things and so when we pitched this to the comedians and said would you be willing to come in so it's still a live show even though you won't be with our viewing audience right every single one of them said absolutely would love to do i think they're excited to get out of their homes you know (laughs) probably Um, and they know that there's a little bit of laughter that's going to be there with Mm -hmm. the people that are engaged in the process of producing the show so yeah everyone's excited yeah you you talk about uh, different things that have happened without an audience Uh, for stand-up comedians that's got to be it's it's rough. Yeah, yeah. that's got to yeah. be really rough. Yeah. I mean, you can you can have a sporting event without uh, an, an audience, but mm-hmm. you know, stand up comedy is something you really feed off the audience. So, uh, kudos. Hence to the reason why Jay has three movies coming out yeah. on Lifetime this year. <laughs> He's had a lot of time uh, on <laughs> his hands. So, who are the uh, the uh, three comedians? So, here? Jay is going to be our headliner, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jose Sardui is going to be our feature, and uh, he is an amazing comedian. But he is also an Air Force pilot, still Mm. flying for the Air Force. Wow. Yeah. And so he spends time in L.A. as well as in Texas. And uh, he is a first-generation Cuban-American. His his parents were in exile and came to the U.S. So he knows all about that uh, learning to be an American (laughs) uh, and then being able to serve in the forces. And he he covers in his humor some of uh, the stereotypes. You know, people are surprised he's a pilot and not working for the Coast Guard uh, as a Cuban. (laughs) So, yeah, he brings a lot of cultural humor from his perspective. Okay. Um, Great guy. And then Jaron Myers is going to be our opening act, and he is from Missouri. He was homeschooled, and he is known for uh, deciding to graduate from college that he never attended, going in, buying a cap and a gown and walking the entire graduation line being handed his little diploma holder from the president walking off calling his mom sending her the video and saying i have now graduated from college and the college was 
very, I, very, very supportive of what he did, understanding it was a joke because it got them a ton of positive publicity. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't Everybody know if was the calling. University of Finley wants to necessarily uh, put that out we, there. We were very guess, happy that it happened in Missouri, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, we're excited. And then he's also known for a viral video he did about Chick-fil-A and um, how, how he wants to be a servant at Chick-fil-A and serve you your chicken. And okay. so, yeah, he's he's known for his practical jokes, his comedic stories. Great guy. So it's going to be a wonderful lineup of, of very An different and if you've never if you've never been to a comedy jam before, uh, it is an awful lot of fun. It's lot a ton of, laughs. of fun, and you know because we're not doing it in a facility, uh, the students pay a student activities dollar fee at the beginning of the year, so their seats are quote free. Mm-hmm. But when we open this up to community, we do have to charge for those seats yeah. to help recover some of that. Because this is a live event uh, this and, and virtual, the students really wanted to make sure that anyone in the world could watch this, no matter what their budget is, um, to bring some laughter and some joy for a, a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And then for people that are in the community, if they really enjoy it, they can come back and join us next year because we will be at the Marathon Center for, for the Performing Arts. Certainly January hope 29th so. next year. Certainly hope so. Yeah. So the, uh, the Comedy Jam is, what, Saturday, right? This Saturday, okay. 8 so, p.m. And uh, how do we... It's, it's on the... Uh, you search the University of Finley YouTube channel? Is it that, is. Okay. So if they go into YouTube and put University of Finley, it, the television, the, the channel will pop up. But also okay. on the posters and, and the digital media that we have, there's a QR code and people just need to hover over oh, okay. that on their computers. Scan that. It'll take them right, right. to the link. So Very Good. Uh, and we've got the link up at our webpage as well. Again, Sharinda Welton with the uh, University of Finley Student Activities Board, the uh, UF Comedy Jam 20th Annual Woo. is coming up this Saturday. Thanks so Thank much. much. Great to see you. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Findlay City School Superintendent Troy Roth discusses the decision to shutter the Lincoln and Jacobs buildings and how that consolidation will impact kids, teachers, and the community. Plus, we've got more recipes from Kyra's Kitchen and lots more to do to finish up the week until tomorrow morning. That is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you up back here tomorrow.